He has risen. He has risen indeed. Oh, happy day. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. We celebrate the fact that the grave is empty, death is defeated, Jesus is risen, and we are free. Here is Steve explaining why I'm so excited about all of this. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that what we have just sung is so important for us that it's you that brings hope. Uh, Lord, in a life that can be so often chaotic and full of uh, pain, full of turmoil, God, you are able to breathe hope and life into us. And that's because of the risen Jesus. So Lord, I pray that as we explore that now, would you open up our minds, open up our hearts to the extraordinary truth that Jesus is alive and what that can mean for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Hey, happy Easter, everyone. It is so, so good to see you here today. Uh, thank you for joining us online. I'm, I'm really excited because today is what well, has to be the greatest day in history ever, as in not of today, but of the very first Easter Sunday morning. Today's the day when the women visited the tomb after Jesus had died. They were taking spices along with them. Uh, they were going to put that on Jesus' body. It was part of the ritual of what happened when someone died in those days. And uh, they arrived at the tomb and uh, they found that the tomb was empty. And there was someone who said these words, don't be alarmed. He said, you are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. If there is ever an event in history that has changed things, it's what we're celebrating today. Honestly, it is. It changed everything for those early disciples. And from that point onwards, it has changed the lives of literally billions of people over these last 2,000 years. So what we've sung about, I tell you, my heart just lifted as we were singing there uh, together because it is so full of hope. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You've broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living, and this is the word, my living hope. I tell you, the message of that song, the message of Easter, is that um, God brings hope to your life and to mine. If you've been around the last couple of weeks here at The Forge, um, uh, you will know that today is the final part of a three-part series, which has just been called Three Days, where we've looked at the story of uh, Easter. And if you're visiting, if this is your first time uh, here, if you're watching for the first time, I just want to say you are just so welcome. So, so welcome. I'm delighted that yeah, you have chosen, chosen them in the best Sunday to come along as we look at what is the hinge point of Christianity and I hope that something that is shared and sung today would somehow bring some hope into your situation. I just want to do a very quick recap of what's happened over these last two weeks. That two weeks ago, we looked at day one. It was how two of Jesus' closest um, followers, a guy called Judas and a guy called Peter, both deserted Jesus at what was such a crucial time. Judas had betrayed Jesus and Peter had denied knowing him three times. And when the realisation of what had happened came over them, both were utterly devastated. Judas, who saw no hope in the situation, took his own life. Because that's what people do when there is no hope. 
Peter hung around for a while. And through what proved to be an encounter with Jesus, in fact, several encounters with the risen Jesus, he found forgiveness. He found restoration and his whole life was turned around. And then last week, we focused on what was one of the most, the biggest travesty of justice ever of an innocent man, Jesus, who was sentenced to death and was crucified. And Jesus breathes his last breath. And then something happens in nature at that time. We don't know whether it was uh, an eclipse of the sun. We don't know whether it was just something that God chose to do. But as Jesus breathed his last breath on the cross, it says that the whole place just became dark. Darkness descended and covered the land. And do you know what? For many people, that's the end of the story the story of Jesus. Lots of people would say that they believed in a Jesus, that he was probably a good teacher. He might even have been a good rabbi. But they don't take it any further than that. And the story stops when darkness covers the land. And the reason, to be honest, is completely logical. Of course it is, because dead people don't come back to life, do they? Of course they don't. We all know that. Dead people don't come. In fact, dead people don't really do anything, do they? So when you go to a funeral, you might have some expectations of what will happen, but you never go to a funeral with the expectation that suddenly the lid pops open and someone jumps out saying, hi, I'm back. If so, you're weird. Because that doesn't happen. Because dead people stay dead. We know that. And so then you hit across this story, which goes against everything that all of us will believe. So listen, if you're watching online today, or if you're here in this room, and you're struggling to, to, uh, to believe, you're finding it hard to believe that the resurrection actually took place, I tell you, you are in good company. So please don't worry. Don't, don't feel as if you're the only one, because you're not. You're in good company, because in fact, none of Jesus' followers expected it or believed it until they encountered the risen Jesus. And when they did... Everything changed for them. You see, we've already heard the account um, that uh, Amy read on the video of that first Easter morning, how these women had come to the tomb and they were expecting to find Jesus' body there and nobody expected nobody. Nobody. And they honestly believed that he would still be there. And so they were greeted with these words, He is risen. Easter Sunday morning, the day where the impossible became possible, when the unbelievable became believable, when there was no hope whatsoever, all hope was lost, to suddenly there was this living hope for people. The problem is, for many of us, Um, Whether we go to church or not on a regular basis, we are used to this story because we've read it, so we know what the outcome is, don't we? And so we kind of read it and we get used to it. Certainly me growing up uh, in a Christian family, I've been brought up to believe this, so I just read that and I don't think anything of it. I remember being on an Alpha course and was was talking about this Jesus and I said the the resurrection is the greatest evidence uh, that he was who he claimed to be. And the guy just said, yeah, but I have one problem. Dead people don't rise. And I thought, oh, yeah. Because it's so hard to believe. So we live, though, with this 
understanding of the whole picture. For those living in those days, of course they didn't. They saw events unfurl in front of their eyes. And just like us, they believed that once you're dead, you're dead. So when Peter heard the news from the women who had come from the tomb and said that we have met someone who has said that Jesus is alive, Peter and his friend John legs it to the tomb and they go inside and they find just as the women had said that there was no body. There was just the garment that would have wrapped around his body. Uh, and uh, in another place, they had, uh, the bandage which would have gone around Jesus' head had been neatly folded uh, to the side. And he must have wondered, what the heck is going on? And then he has an encounter with Jesus. And he has a conversation with Jesus. And he has breakfast with Jesus. And suddenly, the muddle of what could be taking place becomes clear to Peter that Jesus truly was alive. Peter had touched him. Peter had eaten with him. Peter had spoken with him and spent time with him, along with many others too. And from being this broken, frightened fisherman, he became an incredibly courageous speaker and leader who eventually lost his own life because of his declaration that he had met the risen Jesus. So how did Jesus' resurrection impact on those early followers who went around telling everyone the story that Jesus was alive? Well, this man Peter, he wrote some letters. And at the start of one of his first letters that he wrote that you find in what's called the New Testament, the second part of the Bible, he writes these words. He says, Let us thank the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was through his loving kindness that we were born again to a new life, a new life, and to have a hope that never dies. And this hope is ours because, why? Because Jesus was raised from the dead. Do you know what? That is still true today. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, we are invited into a new life, into a new hope, and into a new story. That's the living hope that we have here today. Those early Christians learned to live in hope, in the light of forgiveness, in the light of grace, and in the light of hope. And they learned to live free. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Doesn't that sound lovely? That to be able to live life being free, being free from our past, being free from the stuff that we've done. I tell you, that sounds so lovely. And yet in reality, so many of us live without the hope of that. We just do. Because stuff from our past holds us back. The things that we've done wrong, the things that have been done wrong to us, and they stay in our memory and they exclude us from living free. And what happens is, is because of the stuff which we do wrong, we do loads of self-talk. All of us do. If you find yourself mowing the lawn, you'll find yourself talking. Okay, you do. You'll be talking in your mind. You'll be thinking things through. And you'll be saying things about other people and about yourself. And often what happens is when our past gets hold of us, when we're not free from our past, it changes our self-talk. And it tells us that we are not good enough. 
it tells us that we're not worth much. It tells us that there's very little hope for us, great for other people, but not for me. And that self-talk can be so damaging because it affects our dignity, it affects our self-esteem. It's all held back because we can't forgive ourselves, let alone God forgiving us. And I said this on Friday night. If you were around at the uh, Good Friday uh, service, honestly, I believe there are still people here today in this room and even watching uh, online today. You are here, but because of something that's happened in your life, you still believe that God is punishing you for something that you've done in the past. And you think that I am excluded from this setting me free bit that we've sung about. Can I just say again, that is not true. That is not true. That is not living a new life. That is not living free. Honestly, if there is anyone who should struggle with forgiveness, it was Peter himself. At the time when Jesus was being arrested, a girl comes up to him and says, you were with Jesus, weren't you? And Peter said, I've never even heard of him. I don't know who you're talking about. And time and time again over that evening after Jesus' arrest, he denied ever knowing or being with Jesus. And there's in one of the accounts, it says that as Jesus was led away, he looked up and he caught Peter's eye. And Peter knew that Jesus knew what he'd done. And he was utterly shamed, utterly guilt-ridden by what had happened. And as he talked with a man called Mark, who recorded the life of Jesus, Mark incorporated Peter making a mess, blowing it, just at the time when he could have stood up, that he'd just run away. And that could have defined Peter, but do you know what? In everything else that Peter writes, he never mentions it again. And do you know why? It's because he believes those words, um, the praise the one who set me free. This is what he wrote in his letter. He said he, that's Jesus, personally carried our sins in his body on the cross. So our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin. In other words, that no longer has a hold on us anymore and that we can live for what's right. And then he finishes off by saying, by his wounds, you are healed. Do you know what? Peter wrote those words and Peter believed those words. Why? Because he knew that he could trust Jesus. Why? Because Jesus hadn't just died. Jesus was alive again and that Peter had talked with him. So what's the point? Honestly, I just want to ask you this. What's the point of being forgiven if you don't live forgiven? What's the point? I tell you, this Easter, why don't you choose to accept what Jesus has done for you? That Jesus can declare you not guilty. Jesus can take away the stuff from the past which drags us back, which says, I'm useless, I'm rubbish, I'm no good, I'm worthless, I don't deserve this. And he takes all of that shame away and he gives us a new life and a new hope. That's the offer that every single one of us has this Easter. So what's the point of being forgiven if we don't live forgiven? Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me.
I tell you, those early disciples learnt how to live free because Jesus was alive. And suddenly this new community learned to live free, but they learned to love sacrificially as well. This new community just changed so much because of the resurrection. Suddenly this new community of of Jesus' followers started doing strange things. They shared their possessions with those in need because stuff didn't have a hold on them anymore. They just wanted to be generous. They wanted to support others who were less um, well-off than themselves. They they cared for the poor. They cared for the vulnerable. Uh, in, In fact, they would visit those in prison, that they would feed those that were hungry. They would dress those that had no clothes. They gave love and dignity to kids who would have no value in that society. They, they valued women in a way that uh, the society had never done so until that point. And they brought a compassion to a Roman society and a Roman dictatorship that they couldn't understand. And why did they live this way? It's because of that's how they'd seen Jesus do. That's what they'd heard Jesus say. And because he was alive, boy, he could be trusted. And so their lives were reorientated around living free and around loving sacrificially. Listen, I believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Honestly, I do. My life is based on it. And becoming a follower of him, our lives can't help but be changed because of what he's done for us. He gives us a new perspective on life, a new love, a new motivation a new sense of purpose, a new sense of worth. And honestly, it is life-changing. And do you know what? I have seen it happen in so many people's lives, how their lives get turned around because of a risen Jesus who brings a new life and a new hope and introduces them to a new story. Do you know what? I am so proud of some people here and uh, people who are part of the forge. I am so proud of this lady. She's just sitting over there, Sarah Elliott. Sarah Elliott, um, who eight years ago became a follower of Jesus. She discovered the power of the resurrection in her life. And she now heads up our Guatemala project or partnership. And she's heading out on Thursday to go out to Guatemala at all at her own expense to work with Street Kids Direct, where she's going to be doing some safeguarding training. And she's going to be working with kids on the street. She's going to be mentoring young people, especially the young girls out there. Why does she do that? I'll tell you why. It's because she's had an encounter with Jesus and Jesus has turned her life around. I am so proud of you. Thank you for doing this. Thank you. I am so proud of the teams going out to Zambia this year. We have two teams. Here we go. Here's one of the family. This family is not a rich family. They are, they are raising money. They are putting their own money in to make their way out, to work with care workers who are volunteers themselves, who live in community. They're nearly always women. <laughs> and they go around to the homes where they know that um, uh, kids are, are living without parents. They're orphaned kids. Or they're going to support grandparents who are looking after their grandchildren because the parents have died of AIDS, of HIV. Uh, and the work that goes out there, goes on out there, is incredible. And it is the church in action. Why? Because those people and because this family have experienced the risen power of Jesus, which means that life is no longer just about them. It's about loving sac- um, sacrificially. I'm proud of these two. 
There we go, Zoe and Jess, who are now spending a year of their life out in Africa, working uh, amongst the orphans and amongst the most vulnerable kids in Southern Africa. I am so proud. You ask them why they're doing this, they'll give you all kinds of reasons, but the right answer is, is because they know that Jesus died, that Jesus rose and has given them hope, and they can pass that hope on to orphan kids and the most vulnerable. I am so proud of this man. He goes to the I congregation. Uh, his name is John Collison. John runs our furniture bank. He gives probably 30, 40 hours every week for free to be able to collect and to deliver furniture to families in need all across Suffolk. And why does he do it? Well, it's because five years ago, he met Jesus and his life was turned around. And whenever you talk about it with him, often he will just well up. Tears will well up because he knows the difference that a risen Jesus has made to his life. He loves sacrificially. I am so proud of so many of you here who sacrificially love those in your family and those in your communities who need it the most. Listen, the resurrection of Jesus changed everything for those early disciples. They didn't just love sacrificially. They lived a non-violent lifestyle, so in opposed to the Roman way of ruling. Every background was included. It wasn't just Jews. They pulled in people from different races and different places to be part of this new community of love, this revolution of love. They shared the news of Jesus with boldness, some of them to the point where they gave up their lives because they refused to shut up telling people that Jesus was alive. Why? It's because they knew and they knew the hope that would come from people encountering the risen Jesus. Honestly, it's true. And so they lived with this new hope that death wasn't the end, that death had been beaten. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. Why do they know that? Because Jesus proved it. And they showed evidence of the resurrection in their own lives through doing something very strange that churches still do today, and it's through baptism. It's a way of saying that I die to my old way of life and I come up into a new life. My old life is washed away. My new life has arrived. And do you know what? Some of you here have, have become Christians. You've got to know Jesus. You've become a follower of him. And you have never publicly declared that through being baptized. And I just want to encourage you, over this next month, it's going to be warm Okay, I realise that getting baptised in December outside is not a happy option. Uh, some mad people still do it, but, um, uh, but we are moving into the summer season. And so honestly, please, I want to get that pool outside there on the field. And there are more of us here that need to get baptised to show the resurrection power of Jesus in our lives. It's warm, so there's no excuse. The resurrection changed everything. And the resurrection can change everything for you. You've heard, or you've heard it said here at the forge a number of times that if a man can predict his own death and resurrection and pull it off, I just go with whatever that man says. It's brilliant. And do you know what Jesus and Peter did? And he became part of a much bigger story, a story that has seen billions of lives changed for the good, of new life of finding forgiveness and freedom from the past, of hope and of love. Why? Because the resurrection of Jesus, we are invited into a new life, 
a new hope and a new story. A new adventure to be part of that is bigger than us. So please, I implore you, discover the truth of the resurrection and then live in the reality of it. No one was expecting it, but it's a life-changing moment. Thank you so much for being a part of this online community. We love having you with us, so please feel free to drop us a message, follow, like, retweet at Forge Church. Let us know you're listening. Let us know you're there. And we will see you next week for the launch of our brand new series.